quiz. What we're going to do is a bit of a quiz, just for fun, um, and then I'm going to have a bit of a talk, kind of in between each question, expand on each question a little bit. Um, and it's a bit of fun. Don't worry, if you don't know the answers, I'm not going to have a go at you. Looking at the numbers, it looks like we're slightly heavier on this side than we are on this side, but they're relatively even, so we'll probably keep it sides. And I'm going to ask you alternate questions, especially if Dawn's sitting here. That You've got an unfair advantage then. So, um, believe it or not, this is, this is not a cross. It's just a nice coincidence. This is to keep score. So, um, first things first, I need a team name from each team. So you have, like, no time to come up with a team name. If not, I'll just call you A and B, and then we'll see which one's going to be A and B. Anyone want a team name? Champions or scoundrels, I like it. Scoundrels for this side, okay. And you guys? Winners, angels. Winning angels, we'll call you. Winning angels, like it. Not winning angles, no. Good. Right. Okay. So, um, <laughs> don't panic too much. It's a multiple choice quiz. So, you're going to get, I don't know if you can read this, but basically, it's all on 1 Samuel 1 to 19, which is what we've done so far. You'll be given the choice of four answers, only one of which will be correct. Each correct answer, your team will earn a point. Each incorrect answer, and the other team will win a point. Ooh. Ooh. Has he just gone and stolen the Bible from somewhere? Any, any Bibles that are used are um, yeah, severely frowned upon at this stage. You can feel free to read 1 Samuel afterwards, but not during this. Okay, good. So, um, the first question will be to Team Winning Angels. Uh, if I can find my little mouse thing. There we go. Let's go. Okay, um, first question, oh, play without an account. I don't really want an account. That's fine. Are you ready? Go. Um, so, first question is, and think carefully, because remember the other team gets a point if you don't get it right. What was the name of the god the Philistines worship? Was it Goliath? Was it Dagon? Was it Beelzebub? Or was it Asherah? Is that a definite one? You happy with Dagon? Correct. Ah, oh dear. Right, for that one, this one's only for Paul on his birthday. No, I'm joking. Okay, Gilgal. Well, don't shout it out. Gilgal means the place of reconciliation, the place of blood, the place of recommitment, or the place of the Lord. Come on, scoundrels. Anyone know? Is, is, is everyone happy with recommitment? Correct. Well done. You haven't got a Bible, have you? No, is that you? Hey, well done, Stephanie. Swatting up, you see, because she knew what was coming. Right. Um, how old was Samuel likely to be when he went to live to serve God? This is for the winning angels. Was he three years old, 13 years old, one year old, or eight years old? 13? He had just begun weaning, so... Bless him, his mother would have been a bit uh, sore had that been the case. He was three years old when he went to serve. So that's one to the scoundrels. And now your question. When the ark was returned to Israel, what happened to 70 Israelite men? They touched the ark and were cured of leprosy. 
They got drunk and tried to steal the ark and its contents. They shouted great praises to God and were taken up to heaven, or they looked inside the ark and God punished them with death. Everyone happy with that? Correct. What was Samuel's mother called? Come on, this is a nice easy one. We've got Hannah, Ruth, Sarah, or Rebecca. Everyone happy with Hannah? Excellent. Congratulations. What was the name of the priest Samuel went to serve under? Was it Levi, Josiah, Eli, or Melchizedek? Eli? Correct. Well done. Tougher one. What was Samuel's father called? Was it Moab, Saul, Elkanah, or Benjamin? There's an answer coming. Is everyone happy in your team with Elkanah? We'll go with Elkanah. It's right. Well done. Hannah and Elkanah. Rhyming parents. Um, What prophecy was given regarding Eli and his sons? That they would lose the ark to the Philistines and the sons would be killed. They would fight the Philistines and a shepherd boy would bring them victory. They would lose the ark to the Philistines and the sons would be captured. Or they would fight the Philistines and a giant would become king of Israel. Yeah. Oh, there's 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 some. Which one are we going for? First one. Someone's been swatting up, and she's right. Well done. I did tell her on Thursday this was going to be the quiz and what it was going to be on. So she's cheated. No, it's fine. It's good. I know. Israel asks God for. This is for you guys. A plague on the Philistines to show God's glory. A saviour to free them from their sins. A champion to defeat Goliath. Or a king so they can be like all the other nations. A king. Correct. Where was Samuel sleeping when God called out to him? Was he at the gate of the city? At the ark of God in the temple? At a small house belonging to Saul? Or at the feet of Eli, the chief priest? It's for these guys. But well done. You reckon he was at the feet of Eli? It's not your team. Winning angels. Sorry, no, sorry, it's scoundrels. Yeah, scoundrels. What's the answer you're going to go for? Was he at the gate of the city, at the ark of God in the temple, at a small house belonging to Saul, or at the feet of Eli, the chief priest? Be bold if you think you know it. Anyone? There's people saying Eli. Oh, come on. Someone someone be bold. You reckon it's the second one? Happy with that? He was indeed at the Ark of God in the temple. That is the correct answer. Well done. Which is exactly where he should have been. So that was good. How many Philistines... This is a tough one. How many Philistine towns were struck down with disease when the ark arrived? So, I don't know if you remember, the ark was taken from the Israelites and it went to one city, then another city, and then another city, and then another city, and then another city, potentially. I don't want to give the answer away. But um, how many towns or cities were struck with disease when the ark arrived? Was it four, one, two, or three? Four? You guys happy with four? It was three. 
I actually did give you the answer there, but then carried on rather stupidly. Anyway, um, Samuel anoints Saul with oil, and Saul was filled with jealousy towards David, filled with rage towards the Philistines, filled with love for all people, or filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the scoundrels. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of fours. Yeah? He was indeed filled with the Holy Spirit. Well done, scoundrels. This, this isn't good that scoundrels are beating winning angels here. But anyway, <laughs> we'll come on to that in a bit. Um, who defeats the Philistines and set up a stone at Ebenezer? Is it Saul? You're getting all the tough ones. Is it Saul? Is it Boaz? Is it David? Or is it Samuel? This is a tough one. Someone set up, sets up a stone at Ebenezer as a memorial to God because of a great victory. We've had a call of David. We've had a call of Saul. What are you going to go for as, as a team? I think Saul. None of you are right. It's actually Samuel. So you went for Saul. It's Samuel. The scoundrels are running away with it here. You'll be pleased to hear there's a second half of the quiz, which will come in a bit. So um, this is the last question of this half. So, scoundrels, to take a six-point lead. Um, what happened to the God in the presence of the Ark of God? Its head and hands were broken off and left at the temple threshold. It became rotten and maggots destroyed it. It was burned up in holy fire, or it fell over and bowed to the Ark. Everyone happy with that? Good work. So, good work. You've uh, answered all the questions of the first half of the quiz. We do have a second half, which we'll come on to in a bit. So I'll just close that one so I don't come back to it. Good, okay. Um, now, at this point, yes, it's a bit of fun and games. It's all very nice, and we're learning things about Samuel, which is great, because we probably remember more than we realised we remembered about Samuel um, as a book. One thing that struck me probably... It was last week, actually, just before I came to church and did my talk on um, the psalm, was actually that 1 Samuel is called 1 Samuel. I know that sounds stupid, but the most famous character, if I asked you, probably you'd say the most famous character from Samuel is David. Yeah, it would be for you who's only just read the first bits of Samuel. But actually most people, and certainly most Jews would say, the most famous character from Samuel is David. King David, the great king who ruled over Israel and was the best king ever. Um, There's a reason, I think, that 1 Samuel is called 1 Samuel, not 1 David. Not only because Samuel probably wrote it, but um, there are two aspects to Jesus. Well, there's many aspects to Jesus, let's admit it. But there's two main aspects that I'm going to look at this morning. One, he is a king. I think that's undeniable. Jesus is king. And yes, he is of the line of King David, and therefore David should definitely get some accolade as as far as that's concerned. But also Jesus is a priest. And actually Samuel was a priest who heard from God and obeyed God. And actually, if I asked you all to name one occasion where Samuel got things wrong, yeah, he never did. Samuel was a priest He listened to God, he obeyed God, he did everything he should have. David? Can anyone name a time when David got something wrong? Yeah. So actually David, yes, he was this great person and he did kill Goliath and this, that and the other. Um, But a lot of the time he got it wrong. And I think people try and focus, and it's a very human error of ours, that we focus on the king and not on the priest. 
The book of 1 Samuel is about a priest who does great things. And actually, the only reason King David comes along is because Israel get it wrong and ask for a king. They shouldn't. There would be no need for King David had they listened to Samuel. Or God, I should say. Had they listened to God, there'd have been no need for King David. And it just really struck me that the book of 1 Samuel is actually about a priest. Now, what's a priest? It's not a quiz question, but if anyone can answer it, that'd be great. What is a priest? Someone who gives the word of God? Partially, yeah, definitely. A vessel for the word of God? Sorry, Don, what were you saying? Set apart to serve God? Someone who intercedes? Absolutely. Thank you, Kenny. That's exactly what I was looking for. But also... All those other things that have been said are correct. But what Kenny said, if you didn't hear it, was we are priests. Priests are someone who have open access to God, who can hear from God, and who can tell others about God and know his word, and hear and learn and understand what God has to say. And we are priests. Uh, Who here is a king? No. No one yet. Um, We will one day be crowned, but only because we're kind of inheriting a crown elsewhere. But... We're, no, we're never actually going to be the king. That's, his, that's Jesus' job. And we should never aspire to take that off him. Because if you do, you're in the wrong. Um, but actually, you know, we should all try and learn from Samuel. And yeah, there's certain things we can definitely learn from David. But Samuel, to me, more and more, the more I see him and read about him, the more I realise that he is humble. He doesn't care about the glory. He does what God wants. And he doesn't care about people singing his name and praising him and this that and the other and it just really struck me that for all the times i've ever read samuel in the past and i must have read it dozens and dozens of times it's all been about david for me and about how great this king was that 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 god set up and yeah he relied on god and this that and the other but actually it really struck me that samuel's about samuel um and we can take from that far more in some respects than we can take from david because i don't think anyone here is going to be crowned king any day um I don't think... No, William's not around the corner. That's fine. Um, He's in Canada. There you go. But unless he's hearing this online, and if he is, good work. But um, yeah, try and and learn from the the proper king, mate. Um, The the thing I think I want us really to take away from today when we look at this again is, is, yes, God's in control. He's managed to throw his ball all the way to the front. Um, God's in control. God helps us. God gives us strength when we need it. God can do all things. And you can learn all of those things from King David, but actually the things that you can learn from Samuel is that when God speaks, you say, yes, Lord, here I am, ready to do what you want. And it really struck me that that, far more than anything that David gets up to in his escapades of running away from his uh, Saul and, uh, you know, his friendship with Jonathan, all those other things that we can learn from 1 Samuel that are really important, The key to me was going back to the very beginning of 1 Samuel. Even to the point where Hannah, bless her, cries out to God. This woman who is desperate to conceive cries out to God and then does the right thing herself in in saying, you've given me this great gift, God, but I'm going to give him back to you. I mean, I can't imagine what that must have been like for a mother who's desperate to conceive to then go, actually, the right thing is to give this back to God. Wow, you know, it's literally impossible for me to imagine what that must have taken on her part um and then for samuel to hear and to say yes lord here i am what do you want of me and that obedience um is something i think we 
we don't see in 1 Samuel very often. We see the glory and the, the greatness of God overcoming out, uh, incredible odds, you know, the, the Israelites and David and Goliath and all these other things. And then we go on to, to Solomon and all his wisdom. But I think the wisdom really comes from Samuel. It all comes from that one priest who does the right thing. And it just really hit me that that's all I wanted you to learn today was actually maybe I should think about Samuel a bit more and look at what he did and understand why he did it and, and, and actually why it was called one Samuel, not one David. So anyway, we're going to crack on with the second half of the quiz. Now this one is the second half of one Samuel 1 to 19. Um, you may even get a few questions about David. Um, and then I'll do a quick kind of summary at the end. So, okay, we will go again um, on this one because um, I think the first set is, oh, I don't know, if that's slightly easier or not. We'll start again with the winning angels. So, winning angels. Saul's son eats some honey. His name was David, Ishvi, Malkishua, or Jonathan. Now, all those other people, believe it or not, were actually Saul's sons. It's just they weren't the ones that ate the honey. So, well done, Jonathan. Okay. Saul fought and was victorious against all of Israel's enemies, including... Yeah, this is your question. This one's a tough one. Saul fought and was victorious against all of Israel's enemies, including the Moabites, the Jebusites, Persia, Assyria, and the Romans. The Moabites, the Cretans, the Assyrians, the kings of Persia, and the Canaanites. The Moabites, the Hittites, the Azarites, the kings of Tarshish, and the Egyptians. Or the Moabites, the Ammonites, Edom, the kings of Zobah, and the Philistines. Wowzers, you guys are good. It is the last one, well done. Eventually, back to the winning angels, eventually David, David marries Michael. No, there's no prize. Saul's youngest daughter. Saul knows that Michael will be a spy for him to use against David, a curse to Saul because she betrays him for David, a great wife for David and bear him many children, or a snare to David due to her idol worship. You're answering on their behalf, but well done. Um, So they get a point. Now it's it's back to... uh, the scoundrels. Okay. Saul had two daughters called Jezebel and Michael, Amelachi and Michael, Merab and Michael, or Ahinoam and Michael. Is everyone happy with that answer from Kirsty, who's been swatting up? <laughs> she is correct. Didn't realize we had a cheat in our mix. No, I'm joking. Saul makes a vow that any... So you guys again, Gordon, not, not you. <laughs> Saul makes a vow that any one of his army who eats would be killed, flogged, exiled, or given over to the Philistines. I've, I've heard killed a lot. Are we happy with killed? Well, not, not in that sense, but that's the answer, correct. Saul asks David to collect something as a bride price for Merab, his daughter. You get the embarrassing question. Is it... Oh, that's giving it away. Um, uh, You knew the answer anyway. It's fine. A hundred Philistine women as slaves. A hundred Philistine heads. 
a hundred gold coins or a hundred Philistines foreskins? Yeah, sorry, I gave the answer away on that one. My bad. I think you'd probably have got it anyway. David was a talented musician and not juggler like me, and was sent for was sent for to play for Saul to calm his evil spirit. David mainly played the harp slash lyre, the glockenspiel, the timbale, or the wooden flute. I'll tell you what, it was hard to come up with some of these answers that were, were wrong. Okay. David took five smooth stones with him to face Goliath. Even though the Bible doesn't explicitly say, why do we think he took five? Goliath was a giant and might take more than one, two, three, or even four hits. David was worried he might miss. Goliath had four brothers, or Goliath had five heads. Knew the answer before I even said it. Well done. God instructs Saul to destroy the Amalekites. But God's blessing is removed from Saul after he attacks them because he spares some of the women and children to take as slaves, spares the buildings to keep for himself as a new city, spares the king of the Amalekites, or spares some cattle, sheep, fat calves, and everything that is good. Sorry, guys, you're getting all the tough ones. Correct, well done. Samuel is instructed to anoint a new king who is currently a servant, likely only 15 years old, a soldier, likely only 15 to 20 years old, a shepherd, likely only 10 to 13 years old, or a priest, likely only 20 years old. You're getting all the easy ones. (laughs) Aged just 15 years old, David defeated Goliath of Gath. Probably a descendant. Oh, sorry, guys. A descendant of the Nephilim, Egyptians, Canaanites, or Ishmaelites. Well done. So, at that point, because some people may not know what that is, the Nephilim were um, they were giants, but they were the offspring of um, Satan's demons who had bred with humans. So, demons who had decided to become in human form and had slept with um, likely women. Because uh, I think they were all male, um, and produced these giant offspring who were awful, and um, there were certain people who were still in existence at this time who were descendants of this uh, race of people, this race of giants. Saul sends men to kill. So this is you guys. Saul sends men to kill David whilst he sleeps. David flees and writes Psalm fifty-nine. Psalm 57, Psalm 29, or Psalm 23? Incorrect. Psalm 59. It was overwhelmingly coming out as 23. Sorry, your team overruled you. Saul tries to kill David on several occasions using a sword, a poisoned arrow, a snake, or a spear. Well done, guys. And last question. So you can't you can't win now, guys. Sorry. Um, by Samuel 19, David has definitely killed a giant, lions and bears, a giant, women and children, a giant, elephants and leopards, five giants, bears and snakes. Well done. Okay, good stuff. So. <laughs> 
So once, and you know what, that's quite appropriate. So often in life we do think that scandals tend to win. Um, so, well done, and good knowledge. I don't think we had many incorrect answers in total, um, probably two or three. She answered one, and she hadn't seen the quiz before. It's because I told Kirsty that we were doing whole of 1 Samuel 1 to 19. Yeah, exactly. She was swatting up literally until... <laughs> so, <laughs> in the end, there was five points different. So, well done, everyone. I was actually quite impressed with your knowledge there. I think it was probably better than I was expecting. Um, but really, the lesson from today... Read your Bible. You'll learn more. But also, um, don't be fooled because the world wants you to think that you don't know anything in the Bible. The world wants you to think that you don't know enough um, and you don't know God's wisdom. But actually, and a great thing that we learned on Thursday when we were looking at a psalm was that God's word will make wise the simple. It will uh, bring rest to a restless soul. It will open the eyes of the blind and it will um, bring joy to your heart. And the more you read it, the more that's true. And the more you can swat up on church quizzes. But the more of those things that you know, it may seem stupid now to, to know that Goliath was the descendant of Nephilim. It may seem completely useless in life, but actually that is wisdom from God. And it will be helpful in some aspects in your life. What will be interesting... and this is true of everyone that reads the Bible, is that it will speak to you in different ways. Kirsty yesterday was reading the Bible and rang up myself and Catherine because she had questions and she'd learned some stuff and stuff had just talked to her. And maybe the first time you've ever read that book of the Bible and it talked to Kirsty on one level. I could read that same passage, even the same exact bit, and it will talk to me in a different way. The Bible is full of wisdom. It's full of this amazing God that loves you and wants you to learn more. But also, there's practical examples in there that we can follow. And the, the, the priest of Samuel, what he did, um, and how he behaved throughout the whole book of Samuel, is just a really humbling lesson to us all. And I think um, it is difficult. You know, The reason I've done today, just so you're aware, is that Alan has been doing one Samuel up until now. And he asked me to step in and do these two weeks, last week and this week. And I wanted him to continue where he left off because I didn't want to disrupt his thing by teaching a little bit in between. So I th said, right, we'll do Psalm 59 last week, which is an offshoot of where he was up at that point into the story. And today I've done just so everyone has a refresher of what he's taught us so far. But it's never a bad idea to look back over what you've learnt. Never. Um, you can never read the Bible enough. You can never stop studying the bible and or think you've reached the end point there is never going to be that end point because you'll always learn more god is incredible so it's whether it's the first time you're reading a book whether it's the 40th time you're reading a book you will learn something new and i have learned something just by doing this quiz um and even last week when i was reading the psalms again um god really really wants us to talk to him and for him to talk to us and for us to listen now, when I first met Stephanie, and since then, we've always said that communication is absolutely key to any ongoing relationship. And I think that's true for everyone. I hope that's true for everyone. Um, God is the same. 
if you don't pray to him, which is talking to him, and if you don't read his word, which is him talking to us, the relationship's not going to move on. It's not going to get anywhere. It's not going to get stronger. It's not going to get to the level of Samuel, where he can directly hear from God and do his work and do everything that he asks for. Now, I'm not saying that if you continue to definitely read your Bible and pray, that you will definitely, definitely hear the vocal voice of God. I cannot promise you that. Um, but I can certainly promise that you will hear from him in his word. Um, not necessarily as an out loud voice, but he does talk to us every day and he wants us to talk to him every day and for him to, and for us to listen to him every day. Um, I'm just as bad as anyone. I put work and stuff in front of it. I have other things going on in my life and I just think, oh, you know, I've not got time to read the Bible today. Um, and it may be you've not picked up your Bible in days, weeks, months, years, ever. Um, I just encourage you to pick up your Bible and read it. If it's 1 Samuel 1-19, to just to remember what we've gone over, brilliant. Alan will be absolutely blown away if next week he comes to preach and everyone knows everything that he's said up until that point. He will be absolutely amazed. Um, but pick up Bible and read any bit of it. Um, I think it was really interesting on Thursday when Catherine and Bev were saying that um, when Stephanie said the previous week that your favourite character from the Bible was Habakkuk. They looked at each other and went, we've not read that, never read that. And and we did a Bible study with it on Stephanie's Bible study. And it was brilliant, and they remembered that, but they'd completely forgotten everything you'd said, and they hadn't read it again. And they then went home and read it again. And it's brilliant. And you can be reminded that um, there's bits of the Bible probably most people have never read. Um, One and Two Chronicles, that's my favourite. It's an absolute nightmare to get through. Um, Enjoy it. Um, I don't recommend that's the first book of the Bible you ever read. Uh, Far from it. But you do gain incredible things from reading reading God's Word. And it's not just a book. This is your way of hearing from God. It's the most reliable, direct way of hearing from God. Yes, you can sit there and wait in silence for Him to speak to you. But actually, He may not. I guarantee you, through this, He will. He promises He will. He says he will, therefore he will, because he is not a liar. Um, and, you know, if you want, do yourself a quiz. Write yourself um, some revision cards. It sounds silly, and it's like going back to school, and it's a bit of a nightmare. In fact, at school, I didn't even do that. But um, you'll be amazed at what you do know, but you'll also think, wow, there's so much more I need to know. And um, I just encourage you. And... You know what, if, you've, if you want to join Bible study here on Tuesday nights, if you want to come to mine on Thursday nights, just to do a little bit every week to get you going back onto onto course of, of reading God's Word, then you're very, very welcome. Um, it's not too late. We have started the course. We're one week in, but you know what? It's fine. Um, come along. And after we've done this course, we're then going to be doing Bible study, like proper sitting, reading the Bible together and studying it. And I welcome ideas as to what people would like to do during that. So um, we will we will do more Bible study. But it's just so important, and I think it's something we have lost a little bit um, as a skill. Not I'm not talking to everyone in this room, because some people here may read their Bible every day, and it's brilliant if you do. Um, but even you probably admit you could read it more. Um, but I suspect, as is true for nearly every Christian in this world, that actually we let it go by the wayside a little bit. Um, so the last the last point I want to um, 
make really is just this, that when you first enter into a relationship, you're desperate to talk to that person. You want to talk to them, you want them to talk to you. You know, you're, you're going back before text messaging and Facebook, you, you, you might write a love letter, you might want to tell this person just how crazy you are about them. This is God's love letter to us. He is crazy about us. And he, well, not, he's not crazy, but you know what I mean. He's madly in love with us to the point that we cannot express. And if you want to feel loved, if you want to know what this person out there thinks about you, this amazing God thinks about you, then read it. Because it will make you feel uplifted. It may f- make you feel loved. It may make you feel amazing. It may make you feel very, very confused. And that's probably true of some love, love letters you get in the past as well. But God loves you. God wants you to hear from him and he wants you to talk to him. So read 1 Samuel. Swat up so we can all tell Alan next week everything, all the answers he has, he wants from us, we can tell him. But more importantly, try and get into the habit of just understanding your Bible, reading it um, and studying it. And if that first point of that is just coming to one of the Bible study groups, then do. Um, You'd be very, very welcome. Um, But if not, let me know afterwards and I can recommend some daily... Bible study courses that you can do. You can buy them online. They're very cheap. Um, and just every day it teaches you something new. And you can do them in 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And it'll just teach you something about yourself, about God, about the Bible. Um, and they're worth doing. Um, I need to start doing them again because I've fallen by the wayside on them. Um, but, you know, just I really want to encourage you to get back in the Bible because you can learn so much stuff. And just understand... And have revelations like I did that actually 1 Samuel is about Samuel. It doesn't sound like a revelation now, but for 28 years I've been a Christian, I thought 1 Samuel was about David. Or about David and Goliath. And actually Goliath's only mentioned once in one chapter. Um, and yet, for some reason, that's the you know the Sunday school thing that everyone knows. But 1 Samuel is about Samuel. Well, it's not. It's about God. But it's about Samuel and God. Um, so, pick up your book. Read it. Thanks. Right, okay, I'm going to end in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everything you've taught me um, this day, this week, this month, this lifetime, Lord. And I just know there's so much more still to learn. Lord, I pray for everyone here that we would desire to hear from you. That we would want to be madly in love with you, just like two people who fall in love right at the beginning of the relationship, Lord. And I just ask that you would help us to talk to you, to listen for what you have to say to us, to read your love letter to us. And to understand that you have done all things for us as people. You have gifted us this world. You have gifted us eternal life through, through dying on the cross, Lord. And I just ask that you would help us to get back to that exciting stage of really wanting to read your word. Um, and just as we go out of this place today, Lord, just help us to realise that there's so much more that we can learn. And that, you know, just give us that desire to learn it. In Jesus' name. Oh, man.